Welcome in, guys, to another episode of the Player's Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon. Uh, truly a pleasure to be here hosting another episode with you guys. Got a wonderful guest today. Going to be sitting down talking with the two-time champ Super Bowl MVP, Dion Branch. Now, Dion's going to talk to us about how football almost got really roadblocked for him uh, before he got to the University of Louisville. He's going to talk about the successes that he's had in New England and also talk about what he's doing off of the field with his charitable Dion Branch Foundation organization. Now, our bourbon selection of the day for this episode is Woodford Reserve. Very fine, rare bourbon comes from the Woodford Reserve Distillery Brown Farming. Uh, it was just put out in December of last year. Comes in at 90.4 proof or 45, a little bit more than 45% alcohol volume. Now, this was one that it was really kind of tough to get my hands on, but one that I definitely wanted to review and see what it was like because I knew that it was going to be such a hot commodity. So let's go ahead and get into the podcast with Dion. And meanwhile, I'm going to give you guys my review of this bourbon a little bit later. Welcome to the podcast, man. Appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to come through with us, man. We got the Super Bowl MVP on the podcast, brother. What's going on with you, man? Man, what's good, man? I appreciate it, Larry. I appreciate it, man. I know it's been a long time. We've been trying our best to get this going, man, and then finally we're here, baby. We are already. Here. Minus we doing all the work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> already, we got my man Alhaji, another U of L, great with us yes. as well. So, man, what what are you into these days? What are you doing now? Talk talk to us about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I, doing, for starters, especially in the city, man, I'm doing a lot of uh, Chris Redman, his father, Coach Redman, and uh, Kent Taylor down at uh, Wave Three. We got the high school uh, game one show that we're doing in the city, man. Just to bring, uh, just to drive that 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 relevance back to the city of Louisville, to the to the community, man. With the high school football, uh, I've been enjoying it. You know, I think everybody's been enjoying it. I mean, we picked up a bunch of different sponsors and looking for more. We'll never right, stop right, looking right. for more sponsors. But uh, but overall, man, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that I've been doing in the city. Um, more than that, also been going out. I deal with a lot of real estate, Larry and Hodge, man. I um, I really been enjoying giving back to the community, my with through through my foundation, the Dion Branch Foundation, um, buying up a bunch of properties in the city, uh, doing some things with Jamon Brown, uh, and then one of my great friends, Danny Mosby. We've been doing a bunch of things in the city as far as buying up real estate. Another you know, getting rental plan. properties and, and, you know, and also some flip projects that we've been doing. Uh, I'll just say overall, I've been doing it by myself in the beginning. Now that I've tag teamed with those guys, man, I think it's been a great thing. Uh, me personally, my parents always raised me, man. It's always about giving back to others. It's not about myself. It's always about giving back. So that that's the biggest thing really that I've been doing with the high school football and real estate. And, you know, first and foremost, uh, Mr. Branch have been, in tune with my kids, man. Uh, I've gave the NFL, gave football my entire life. Now it's all about my wife and my kids. So dope, that's about it, dope. baby. And, and, and that's yes, one sir. thing, man, I've, I've always loved about you, man. It, it doesn't matter what success. Even before you had success, man, you were always just a good down-to-earth Southern dude, man. Yeah. Just stop and chop right. it up, man. And that's one thing I've always really appreciated you, man. Not only – you know, the work that you put in on the field, man, but just your character and the, and the type of person you are, man. I've always yeah. been appreciative of that, man. Great dude. Exactly. Truly appreciate it, bro. 
Already. Truly appreciate it. Already. So let, let's let's get into the, the meat of the podcast, man. Let, let's start off with bourbon. You know, being in Kentucky, you know, bourbon is a big thing in Kentucky, man. Do you, have you ever tried bourbon? Do you like it? If so, what's what's one that you like or that you go to? Uh, yeah, it, hold on. Let's, let's, let's go back now because I'm not a real, real huge drinker. Okay. Is is Maker's Mark a There you go. There you go. There you go. Hey, Hans, man, I don't know, man. It, hey, it, hey, it, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you, Deanna. I'm yeah. not a big drinker either. Yeah, man, ain't a big, ain't no, I'm not, you know, I'm more of a social drinker. Uh, That's know, cool. So, man, uh, you know, and I've been to a bunch of these different settings and in different events down in the city. But the Makers, I think the Makers okay. Uh you know, I'm more on the other side. I don't want to talk about that, but <laughs> I, I, I have dabbed in, in the Makers, man. The Makers Mark is is a pretty good, um, is is a great little taste, man. I enjoy it. It's cool. Right, you know? right, right. Now I'm, 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 I just now became a bourbon man myself, probably about okay. about a year and a half ago, and so I, I've really sort of gotten into it. Like you know, I had a, I was just like you. I'm a social drinker, man, and and I've tried a yeah, bunch bro. of different things, but for some reason, man, you know. Living in Kentucky, being from Kentucky, people always talk about bourbon, and I've never really been in tune to it. So I just said, man, I, you know what? I'm going to just check it out, man, dig a little deeper, just kind of, you know, go on some tours, man. And, man, it kind of drew me in, man, and and, and I'm into it yeah. now, man. <laughs> I know. What tour? So what tour were you uh, – because I've been hearing about the bourbon tours and stuff, and I actually um, ran into one of the tour directors down in the city one weekend, but I never kind of – I never followed back up with it. Uh, what, what man, would you suggest? It's, it's a lot say. on the bourbon trail, man. They got so <laughs> many different ones that they're building up in the city uh, now. They got you got the Evan yeah. Williams, you got Mitchers, you got uh, Four Roses, you got uh, Whooper Reserve is probably one that I really like. Buffalo okay. Trace is probably got the got the tops right now in the bourbon game, man. So Buffalo Trace okay. is, is really a really good one. But oh, yeah. you know, one thing I want to ask you, man. When you were younger and you were coming up, who was somebody that you looked up to or that you may have wanted to emulate on the football field? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, look, at, I mean, it's, it's a host of guys. And I always, you know, me personally, when I, when I speak to younger guys and younger players, and then, you know, that's one of the biggest things. I think we all, as a receiver, I looked up to Jerry Rice. And I think every receiver looked up to Jerry Rice. But everybody can't be Jerry because you look at your stature, your measurables. You know, I'm not a six two. You, you get what I'm saying? One, one this, one that. I'm five ten ish, and right. you know, my biggest thing, Andre Risen was a great guy who I kind of looked up to. I was a big Houston Oilers fan growing up, and being from the state of Georgia, you figure like, oh, why is this guy a big Houston Oilers fan? I love Warren Moon, the things that those guys were doing with the run and shoot over in Houston, man. But me personally. I always try to tell these younger kids to try to mimic someone who actually match up perfectly with your stature, your measurables, all that. So Jacquez Green was one of the guys who went to UF. He was one of the guys who I was like, man, this is the guy who I need to model my game after. You know, every spit of it, you know, as far as the quickness, the speed, we're the same size, everything, same height, same size, same weight. And but Jacquez Green was the guy growing up as far as in college, um, and 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 I and I say uh, and he's from the state of Georgia, which is even better, you know. But to push it a little further, once I had the opportunity to go off and you know get drafted by the New England Patriots, everything sort of shifted because I was uh, introduced into Troy Brown, another guy who were pretty much the same size, same everything, and 
this is the guy who I felt at one particular time, Coach Belichick drafted me to replace. But oh, that's on the physical side. But the mental side of things, you can't replace a guy such as Troy Brown. You know, these guys have embodied everything the New England Patriots. Only thing you can do is try to mimic everything he's doing and try to carry the tradition. That's all. And, and that was my thing. So I would say a guy like Troy Brown was a guy who taught me so much about the game of football, taught me so much about, you know, the ins and outs, the nuances of the game, and also off the football field. Nope. Nice, nice. Dion, I want to ask you, um, give us a quick fundamental one-on-one about the difference between a wide receiver and a slot receiver and what type of player you put in yeah. those positions. Yeah. And, well, you know, the traditional way, you know, Hodge, man, you, you look at all these things and, and you see these guys um, when they talk about slot guys and then the outside receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the traditional way is that the taller guy will be on the outside and the shorter guy will be on the inside. You know, um, some of that stuff is true, but you, you, you look at certain guys, you can take a, um, you know, for the most part in New England, most of the guys were smaller guys, period. It's just all about who actually fits the mold. You know what I'm saying? You look at my guy Thomas down in New Orleans, DeAndre Hopkins over in Houston, um, probably, uh, we, you know, Antonio Brown, which is a smaller guy who's very effective on the outside. It's so many good receivers um, in in today's game that it's hard to sit back and say like, hey, we're going to put this guy on the outside because he's tall and this guy on the inside because he's short. It's just all about game planning, you know, the structure of your offense. Uh, You look at those certain things because if you're just speaking about myself and my career, being that I was more a, a shorter guy compared to most of the receivers that were on the roster, I was predominantly outside, you know, and all that stuff just based off my hard work and and the things that I did as a receiver, you know what I'm saying? I focus on my, my, my craft, man. I, I, I really want to actually perfect my craft as being a route runner. And that's what I mainly focus on. And honestly, and I'm not just saying outside guys better than inside guy. Don't take this for granted what I'm about to say. I'm, I'm throwing no shade at nobody at no position you know, whether you're outside or inside. But honestly, I really don't – me personally, I didn't see a lot of craft that needed to be involved with a slot guy because the guys that you're actually competing with is a little different than the guys on the, on the exterior of the defense. You, you know, you're going against the, the best of the best. Unless someone is telling you the entire game, that's one thing. But other than that, you're pretty much – I would say the difference between a guy on the outside and the inside is clearly you going against a guy on the exterior is mainly one-on-one. The interior portion, which consists of a lot of smarts, man, you, you got to have the knowledge of knowing what this, this nickel defensive back is doing and what this interior, you would just say the linebacker is doing. Oh. And, and for the, you get what I'm saying? And most part, the safety. So yeah. it's all about spacing on the inside. And I always – Thought you know, and I don't know for sure, but just from my general perspective, I always thought you know you kind of sort of put the typical your better athlete, your more flat, yeah. flat out fast guy on the outside, and you know the guy on the mm-hmm. inside may not be a flat out burner, but he has quick feet, right. and get in and out of cuts, and, and is able to separate. Right. You know, and that's just typically right. what I thought. But I just wanted to 
kind of throw that out there because I didn't know, you know, it may be about matchups. It might be easier to get a one-on-one yeah. -on -one matchup inside or outside. It's, like you said, there's just so many different things that go into it, you know, putting a yeah. guy on the, in, you know, different positions yeah. on the field. Yeah, Larry, there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of variables that go with it. Uh, me personally, I really just like to speak about the game in general. And then I like to just look at it just game by game. Right. And, and you guys know how it is, man, playing ball. Every game plan is going to be totally different versus Duke, versus North Carolina, right. versus whoever, Illinois, you know, versus UK. The game plan is going to – it's just going to switch, you know, and this is a week-to-week -week thing. And this is what the ordinary fan doesn't understand. They, you know, they enjoy sitting back watching, popping popcorns and watching guys score touchdowns. But That's where we are. That's why we're asking you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, this me personally. I'm a fan too now. You know, I'm a true fan too now. It's, it's more so now, you know, the fact that we, we all know the nuances of it. And I mean, we can get into basketball and you guys can tell us a lot about it. But the thing is, week by week, man, everything changes. You sit back and wonder like, oh, man, why Dion – he had 10 catches versus New Orleans, and then next week versus Kansas City, he only had about three. You know, it's just two right. totally different defensive schemes. You, you follow me? And if I'm only predominantly on the outside, this is what's going to happen. Versus New Orleans, this is what's going to happen versus Kansas City. So those are the things that, that as players, we, we do understand that, you know. And, and as coaches, schematically, how these guys sit down and draft these things up. Right. Now let's let's take it back a little bit before you got to New England. Talk about right. your journey, your recruitment, and, and how you got to the University of Louisville. Right, right. Man, look here. Larry, man, we'll be on it all day. But I, I'm gonna sum this up for you guys, man. Uh, me personally, like I like I said early on about five minutes ago, Jacquez was one of my guys. Um, leaving the high upon graduating, I say my junior year, I committed to Florida. That was my school. Um, me personally, to all the kids who are actually watch, watching this podcast, please listen to me carefully. I was one of the guys who had everything going great, and I actually didn't take full advantage of the opportunity. I started playing around in school. You know, when I once committed, I felt like, oh, man, everything is great. I'm good to go. You know, from that moment, next thing you know, I didn't actually qualify. My GPA and my SAT score didn't correlate. So with that being said, I had to either go to a junior college or prep school. I went over to Jones Junior College, and from there, Coach Dykes, God bless him, he's a great coach. He was a wonderful man. He taught me so many things, uh, and which led me into L. But just to kind of sit back on Coach Dykes, um, he was the first guy to give me the true opportunity to come in, play ball, to be myself, and, and, and give me the opportunity to kind of relish on what I actually didn't take advantage of in high school. And uh, I graduated early, had a thousand scholarships on the table, and I chose L. in one particular reason, which is Coach Janelle Smith. And some of the teachings that Coach Parker Dykes had taught me back at JUCO is making sure we understand the individuals who truly care about you and who truly care about the things that they're trying to succeed in. And out of all the things, you know, me personally being a player, I knew I can help every team, but who actually care about myself? And that was Coach John L. Smith. Um, and, and, and I don't want to discredit none of the other coaches because I, I never gave them the opportunity that I gave Coach John L. Smith, in which he showed me because 
not only did I kind of mess up in high school, I took a step back once I got to U of L. You know, I'm leaving a a junior college that has about 3,500 kids. Now I'm at a university, there's 35,000 students. You know, so it, it, everything completely changes, the demographics, everything, the capacity of the, the individuals walking on campus. Um, I didn't say I, I took a step back, it was just, a, it was a culture shock to me too as well. Yeah. You, you yeah. follow me? So I was hit with a lot of those things. I was redshirted my first year at uh, UofL which was the best thing that ever happened because we had so many other great receivers around me. It gave me the opportunity to kind of learn and get a name, pick up the offense and pick up and do the things that I know I could do so that I can kind of show my talents in which that this is what these guys brought me here to do. But, but I think that was my journey, man, just being in, in, you know, the state of Georgia, committing to Florida, committing to the university that I dreamed of going to, um, messing that up. And then getting a second opportunity to actually write my ship that I, I messed up on. And then a lot of kids don't understand this. And I speak about this a lot at my camps. You know, don't be the kid that's that the coulda, shoulda, woulda guy. You know, because I almost fell into that umbrella where I could have been this guy, I should have been that guy, or I would have been that individual. And and with the blessings of God, these guys gave me the opportunity to um they granted me a second chance. Everybody don't get a second chance, man. And I think we all can yeah. speak about so many individuals that we grew up with, that we played with, that we played against. Like, man, this guy's gonna make it. And he didn't make it for some odd reason, you know? And I was one of those guys who were blessed with the opportunity to have that second chance and I took full advantage of it. Man, and we 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 sure are appreciative, man. That you know, oh, yeah. you came to U of L, man. Like you said, we got the relationship that we have now, man. You you yeah. had a wonderful career. You were all American, and you yeah. were also a foundation piece, man, because you sort of came in with that Chris Redman, Ivan Green, Dave Ragone yeah. era that yeah. sort of put U of L back on the map where it belonged to really, you know, be one of those foundation pieces to putting it where the program is now. And so right. man, I think some of you guys really don't get the credit that you deserve, man, but you really uh, were one of those oh, yeah. blocks for the career. So, so after your wonderful career at Louisville, you, know, you get drafted second round to the Patriots. I know we talked yeah. about, you know, being there already, <laughs> but talk about that initial, you know, draft moment when you, you get drafted by the Super Bowl champs, man, they just won the Super Bowl mm -hmm. and you, mm -hmm. you get drafted. And so what's your thought process going in, man? It's like, you know, it's, it's got to be a lot, man, especially for some a team that just won the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, Larry, you know, the crazy part about that is that I was, uh, <laughs> and I tell this story all the time, I was rooting for the Rams, man, you know, as a receiver. <laughs> I was rooting for the Rams. And, you know, my wife back then, she was my girlfriend. She bought me um, – she bought me this jersey, this Rams jersey, and put this branch on her back, and I still have it. It's the funniest story ever. She had my little number nine with the branch junk, and I just knew I was going to be a Rams for whatever reason. You know, as a receiver, you always think, like, man, you want to go to the team that best suits your actual skill set. Right. And I felt like, man, I need to be with the greatest show on turf. Turf, right. Torrey Hope, <laughs> Isaac Bruce. You feel me? I want to go play with these guys. Yes, sir. Uh, Marshall Falk. Kurt Warner, I'm like, man, this is the place to be. It's right up the street from UofL. Like, man, this is amazing. And um, unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. The, the team that drafted me was the team that I was rooting against. 
and didn't see it at all. Didn't see it at all, man. But but overall, like I said, as a receiver, that's where you want to go. But I think everything happened exactly how it was supposed to. You, sure. you know, a team that I didn't think, you know, they really didn't throw the ball a lot, but they were very effective. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so many um, major points within the Pagers organization that I didn't know about upon being drafted. You follow me? That was the best place for me to go. Uh, now, I'll lead you up into the draft. Like, uh, you know, my draft grade, I had a fifth-round grade, you know, until we went to the combine. Like, Larry, Hodge, man, listen, I took this stuff to core, man. When these people invited me to the combine, I said to myself, all right, they got me in the fifth round. I know what type of player I am. Right. I'm going to go out there and I'm, I'm going to max out on everything. And, and I, felt, I felt it was sort of weird when they was asking, hey, are you going to compete? tomorrow during your test, you know, during the drills. Because I don't know if this is a thing that goes on within the NBA thing is if guys, hey, you're going to go through all the drills. In the NFL, that's a big deal because a lot of guys feel like, you know what, I want to – I'd rather have the scouts come to my university. No, I was brought here to compete against these guys. Right. So I'm going to show up and show out. Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the same. It's crazy. I'm going to show up and show out. That was my thing. That's how I looked at it. I'm an undersized guy compared to all the measurables with everybody else. I'm going to show these guys why they brought me here. And I did my thing. I went from a fifth grade to, you know, fifth round grade to the the second round. But besides all that stuff, I I, I think leading into it, that's what kind of pushed me so much, man, just to see all these guys that who I felt that they had rated above me. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the competitive nature kicked in in which we all share you know, it's going to bring the best out of you. And I think that was the difference with me going from the fifth round to second round, but also having the opportunity going to play with the Patriots because that phone call that I received from Bill right before they drafted me, in which it was, uh, don't quote me if I'm wrong now, I think the draft order was St. Louis, the Rams, they had the 31st pick, the Patriots had the 32nd pitch pick and then Tampa Bay had the first pick in the third round those pick fell exactly like that I received a phone call from all three of the teams Tampa Bay called first they said hey we're going to take you with the first pick in the third round if you're not taking and I was like all right cool next thing you know uh St. Louis call and they say hey we're going to take you with this next pick and which they didn't Wow, I think really? if I if if I'm correct, I think they took Scott Frost, who was the quarterback. For Nebraska. I think it was for Nebraska. Yeah. I think it was either Scott or the DB, uh, the defensive back that was at Central Florida. It was one of the two. They told me they were going to take me, and it was just out of the blue. They didn't take me, and um, that's cold. So I was just kind of bummed, too, man. That was kind of a yeah. I, I was yeah. <laughs> I thought I was good. I was sort of bummed out, man. And then next thing you know. Out of left field, I get a phone call, you know, and I'm out walking at, what, UPA? Me and the guys was out walking around, me and Zeke Parker, uh, Damian Dorsey. I was with all my guys. And uh, one of the guys, like, yeah, this is such and such from the New England Patriots. I'm going to put Bill Belichick on. I'm like, all right, cool. And he was like, yo, uh, funny story. I'm going to tell you about this because we was over in an apartment complex. He said, hey, man, what, how you feel about being a Patriot? I said, coach, I would love to. He said, all right, we're going to take you with the next pick. So I told all my friends, like, yo, y'all go back to the house. They're finna draft me. Everybody took off running. I'm sitting on the back of this lady AC unit in, in Louisville. 
and over at uh UPA, the apartments upa and um i knew it happened because i heard the lady inside the house screaming that's wow. the only way i knew she said oh my god they took the young brands and they said yeah we're gonna take you because you know it's sort of delayed right uh it was the greatest moment ever man greatest one of one of the you know besides my kids you know i married my wife man one of the greatest moments ever in my playing career amazing man you know truly a blessing you sit back and think about all the hard work that you put in you know blood sweat and tears all the stuff that you've done leading up to that point and also sharing grace in the field with all your teammates and me having the opportunity to spend the time with these guys getting drafted in which later on that day zeke was uh he didn't get drafted, but he was picked up as soon as the draft, you know, as a free agent to Arizona. So, man, I, it was a blessing. Dope, dope, dope. Oh, yeah. Dion, um, we always hear about the Patriot way, you know. Yeah. What do y'all mean by that? What what made New England so special? Oh, oh man, you know, I think overall, us, man, it's just, just being accountable. Being accountable to yourself and to your teammates. Um, that's the, the the very first thing you see once you open the front door going mm -hmm. into the building. Be accountable to yourself and to your teammates. And that means a lot, man. Just doing what you're supposed to do, doing the things that you were brought here to do, doing the things that you've been doing your your entire career, you know, putting the team before yourself. Right. Those are the most important things, man. And I think as as athletes and as as you know, clearly professional athletes, a football flip football player, basketball player, buying into the system because we all know that we all were four or five stars. And now that we are at the elite, we're at the highest level that you can possibly get to, whether it be the NFL, the NBA, MLB. Um, we all still at some point got to buy into the main model. Those that's the only way that you can achieve the highest and the ultimate goal as far as horsing a championship. That's the most important thing. It's only one reason why you're doing it. Yeah, we can sit there and talk about guys playing the game for, for money. Uh playing the game, you're gonna you're gonna get the money at some point. Right. But if you never actually been a part of a been a champion and in horsing that and, and seeing a actual uh, a team achievement. None of this stuff matters, man. It's, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of my time, personally. If we all can't buy into the same exact thing, man, and that and that's the ultimate goal is winning the championships. And I think that's that's what it was. And I and I was blessed to be a part of two of them. You know, we really had the opportunity to win three, but we tricked that off. But right. but 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 just just being a part of. Uh, being a part of two hearts, man, it's just, it, it's so special, man. And all the guys, we we all can sit back and think about all the things that we've done. But during those conversations that we have, it's always going to lead back to like, man, you remember that year we did this and we went through that, we went through this mess. Always. But guess what? All the hard work led to winning that championship. You know what I'm saying? And that's the most important thing. And and that's honestly what I think the the symbolic message is is. You know what I'm saying? Doing your job the Patriot way. Bill just labeled it the Patriot way because guess what? Every NFL team nowadays is modeling themselves after the Patriot. Yeah, and and that's story. what it is. That's a true story. That's what it is. Now, early on, 
You got two Super Bowls. Super Bowl 38, you had 10 catches, <laughs> buck 43. Should have been named Super yeah. Bowl MVP, but that's another story. We're going to say it for you. We know you ain't going to say it. You're humble enough. Yeah. We're going we to say it for you, though. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'm out of that one. I'm out of that one. <laughs> Super, Bowl, Super Bowl 39, you come back, got 11 yeah. catches, buck 33, Super Bowl yeah. MVP. You at, yeah. That's a pinnacle moment, man. You just was talking about yeah. winning the championship. And early on in your career, you win the Super Bowl and you're the MVP of the game, man. Like, what was that feeling like, man? Mm, man, I, knowing, hey, man, knowing, I was, knowing your journey that you talked about, committing to Florida, you know, not qualifying, yeah. going to junior college, red shirting, you know, to reach that pinnacle and, and have that moment, yeah. man. How, how was that feeling knowing that just everything just came to fruition for you? Yeah, man, I, you know, honestly, I look at it like this, Larry, man, I don't, I know it may sound cheesy to some people. I think this stuff was just all about my family and friends. That one, that moment, you know, getting the opportunity to make it to that game. Because guess what? The whole world is watching this. The whole world is watching this game. They're watching the people who I think a lot of people, oh, I love these guys. I love this team. Uh, what about the people that love – what about the people as far as the players? This is how I always looked at it. What about the people that help you get to this, get through this journey? And I all think right. that's what all this stuff is about, man. That's Super Bowl. Uh, me personally having the opportunity to reach back out to all my – well, my family was there for sure. But everybody can't get a ticket, man. You know, they only give you so many tickets, man. It's so biased. You guys know how it is, man. Y'all guys make the Final Fours and all this stuff. Like, man, they only give you 10 tickets. You got 100 people, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I, I looked at it like this was all about my family, my friends, all my loved ones, all my coaches, man. This is their moment to relish to be like, I had something to do with this individual. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's such a precious Facts. moment, Facts. not only for myself and like you're saying, to, to go out and perform such as I did. Listen, Hodge Larry, man, I wouldn't be the man that I am without all, without, there's a thousand people who touched yeah. me, who, who allowed me to be myself, allowed me to be the individual that I am, for me to get to that moment, for me to go out and take full advantage of it. And... I got to give credit to those people because without those individuals, whether it be the, the easy walks of life or the hard ones, without those guys, I wouldn't be in that. I, w- I would have never graced that moment. Nice. Never, man. Nice. And, and, and I think that's how I look at it, bro. And like I said, it may sound cheesy to some people, but you only know as a true athlete, such as, you know, us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many people that had hands on you, Larry, hands on you, Hodge. Facts. To bless you, to get to the point to protect you, to support you, for you to make it to that that level that you you and I made it to, man. And it is such a beautiful thing. And I think that moment is for those guys. Um, and that's that's honestly about all I can say, man. You know, great game. We had a great game plan and we went out and did our thing, but it's just bigger than the person who gets all the glory. Right. You get what I'm saying? Right. And I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. Now, Dion, we've reached a part of our podcast, man. We call it a burn-proof segment of rapid-fire questions, man. We're going to put you on the hot seat. We don't want you to give it a lot of gotcha. thought. Just give us your first answer, and we're going to roll with it. Gotcha. Give me your top five receivers in the game today. Oh, man. Oh, uh, Lord, man. There's so many guys. Look, don't take it in this order. 
Don't take it All right, yeah, order. just give me five. Yeah, they got to be a particular order. You know, I already told my guy Thomas in New Orleans, Julio Jones. Yep. Um, my guy Evans down in Tampa Bay. Okay. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, sir. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, I love my guy over in Buffalo. You, you feel oh, me? Oh, Stephon Diggs. Yes. Yeah, yeah Stephon yeah, doing his thing. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, so yeah. I'll say that would probably be my five. Okay. You, you get what I'm saying? That'll be my five. That, that, that'll be my five. No DK Metcalf or uh, Parker from Green <laughs> Not Bay? Yet. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, no, hold on. I love Devontae Adams. You know, Adams, let, yeah, let's Devontae go ahead and throw Devontae in there, too. Yeah. Let's throw Devontae in that mix. We're going to say six. Six. You know, <laughs> and I don't order. But DK is on his way. DK is another guy. AJ Brown is another guy. I mean, these young guys are balling, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I'll say, I don't, I don't want to say five because all, right. all those guys I named, you can kind of scramble them guys right. up and just like, hey, pick and choose. <laughs> Rate your basketball skills on a scale of one to 10. Oh, man, it's easy, man. You know, all football players are supposed to be ballers now. Be ballers. <laughs> you feel me? Hey, Oz, you feel me? <laughs> hey, I'm easily, man. I'm supposed to be on the court with you guys. Oh, hey, man. Easily, man. Uh, man, come man. on, man. I'm supposed to be out there with you guys, bro. God, <laughs> easily, at least a walk on. You feel me? <laughs> but, but, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I'm very knowledgeable of the game. You know, I enjoy standing in front of the television. I know that's a quick segment, but I want to say this part. My kids love me. I always stand in front of the TV, you know, because I, I just want to feel like I'm involved with the game. But, man, I love it, man. I love you guys, all the sets that you guys be running. And, and this is just coming from a true athlete who's been taught by some of the greatest football coaches, the attention to detail. And I just love how you just run a certain play, a certain set. You call a timeout. And after the timeout, we're going to run this play and it's going to work. And the only way it don't work if one guy breaks down and mess up and do something outside the ordinary. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Everything correlates with each other. But 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 yeah, man, I, I feel like my you know my IQ, my B ball IQ is up there, you know. All right, all right. <laughs> what music <laughs> artist is getting the most plays on your playlist right now? Oh, easy, man. Uh Lil Baby, man. The baby. Lil baby, okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh Jeezy, Future, T.I. You know, I'm from Georgia, man. I don't throw no shade at no artists or any anything like that. But I, I stick to my roots. Y'all hold the music outcast. scene down. Oh, yeah, music. you feel me? Yeah, yeah that's what that. it is, man. Outkast, T.I., Jeezy, you know, all the guys back at the crib, man. Future, you know, love all of them, man. What's the toughest DB that you matched up with? Uh, the toughest DB, I would say uh, Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey. Uh, Champ Bailey was that guy. You know, a Hall of Famer. I, I enjoyed competing against him because he was one of the guys, you know, you can play against some guys. You know, they're talking trash all game, but getting demolished. They're not really doing anything. Mm. You know, you guys know what I'm saying. But a guy like Champ, you can beat him on a certain play. He'll keep it real with you. Like, hey, you had me. You mm. got me on that one. I like that. But but as far as the position in general, Champ Bailey was that guy. Not only was he a great defender, uh, but he also played the run game very good, very well. You know, he was a guy, he was a DB that would come up and fill and play in that cover two corner. A lot of DBs don't want to tackle, man. They just want to cover. Right. Like, right, right. you can't be in my top three, top five if you don't play the entire position. You, you follow me? And the mm -hmm. champ was one of those guys. The one moment you realized you were in the NFL, like your moment, like, man, it hit, like, I'm really in the NFL. <laughs> 
I'm going to give you an A and a B. And, it, and they both happened my very first game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers back in September. I'll say that very first touchdown that I caught, it was a, it was a hitch, and I spun off flowers and ran in for about 30-some yards. That was the easy part. The most important part that hit me was that I actually made a block to spring one of my teammates for, for a touchdown. You, you follow me? Right. And I think that was the most joy that I took out of it because now here's what I've been doing all my life. Now I'm actually getting compensated for it. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> it is. Right. It is. I might have just doing my job. I, you know, make a regular block to me. It, and it was a killer block too. Y'all got to go back and Google it, you know, at some point to all the listeners. I kind of, nowadays it will be a flag. It wasn't a flag then, back in mm-hmm. 02. I caught my guy Flowers. He was trying to seek my guy. He thought he had Donald Hayes. He was tracking him. And I just sort of blindsided him. And I gave it to him. I gave him everything I had, all 180 pounds. Upon us going to the sideline, it was a couple plays that were ran uh, throughout the course of the game in the third and fourth quarter where Troy Brown and Lee Flowers had a couple uh, words in the, on the field. And Lee kept telling Troy, hey, I'm going to get you for that tackle. I mean, for that block you made on me. But my guy told me on the sideline, he said, hey, Dion, I'm going to just tell you right now, man, make sure you keep your head on the swivel. Because Lee Flowers thought I had hit him, that block you made. Right. And I just kept it real with him. I said, bro, I didn't do it. That was Dion that hit oh, you. Oh, he knew you were you know <laughs> <laughs> Hey, oh, listen, dog. Oh, listen, wow. that's what you that's what I knew right away. I said, oh man, this is it's real. Oh, Cats wow. are out here seeking guys out, man. <laughs> like really looking guys up, trying to knock somebody out. And Troy told me, he said, man, keep your eyes on the swivel, bro. He said, I told Lee, that wasn't me, that was Dion. I didn't hit you. You feel wow. me? <laughs> wow. That was a wow. funny moment though. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which route you feel was uh, most dangerous or uncomfortable? That you ran. Uh, that that you ran. Which route do you feel more dangerous at? Mm. Well, we had this route. You know, we had this, this one particular route. It was a bow route, but it was actually an option route, and it was predicated off the defensive coverage. If I had a single high, I run a you know fourteen fourteen to sixteen yard comeback. If I was getting a cover two coverage or shell coverage, I'll push in and run a a deep out. So I think overall that was the that was probably my main route in New England, uh, because it, it's pretty much I'm just basing this I'm running this route based off the coverage that you give me the leverage that you give me. Anytime you can give a receiver uh, options, that's the most important thing you can give a guy. Um, so you can't you you can't be wrong. Let's just say that unless you're just not doing what you're supposed to do, preparing for the game, knowing these guys' coverages. Mm-hmm. But I would say my it was called a Q route. I don't want to give too much information. We might have a couple. Uh, <laughs> might have, have some of the ops on, on, the, on the podcast, man. But I'll tell them, like, the Q route was my thing, man. If I knew I had single high coverage, I'm going to run this comeback on this DB. I'm going to beat him. It's just he and I. If it's a shell look, I know I'm going to run this bow route. Only thing is about getting into that, that board of the defense. And I knew that Tom or whoever was at the quarterback would hit me. Man, that takes so much practice and time yeah. and communication and, mm-hmm. just, and just trust. Knowing I'm exactly. going to throw the ball to a certain spot, we both reading the same thing. You're like, it ain't right. a set route. We both read the yeah. same thing. That takes a lot of, you know, practice, exactly. practice man. Exactly. 
which, who was one person that you hated to see coming to make the tackle? Uh, uh, I'll probably say back in the days, the entire Pittsburgh defense <laughs> and the entire <laughs> Philadelphia defense, in particular those linebackers, man. Um, you know, Pittsburgh ran a weird defense, man. Honestly, they had so many skillful guys. These guys just out here floating around on the defense. You never could get a good uh, beat on, like, what coverage they're running. You know, because half of the time as a receiver, you're looking in at the quarterback, but not only, not only am I looking in, I'm looking at the linebackers to the safeties. I never really have to look at the corner to tell what coverage they're playing. And see, this is a great tip for a lot of younger guys who may be watching the show. Uh, I never really looked at the DB. I, he really is not telling me anything. From the linebackers to the safety, they'll tell me everything that I need to know what he's doing. You, you follow me? So gotcha. I think all the – you know, they had about six guys standing up. Most D, D linemen would be down on the three-point stance. All these guys standing up on the line of scrimmage, you know, shuffling around, and it just kind of made it difficult to see what was what. You look at Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and, and Baltimore. Those were probably the three teams that we we had our toughest times with. Nice, nice. Now we're gonna go back to the franchise signing wave. You got yeah. to franchise a guy, you gotta sign a guy, you gotta wave a guy. You got gotcha. Michael Irvin, Larry Fitzgerald, <laughs> Chris Carter. Who you who you no. franchising? Who you signing? Who you waving? <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna do this. Uh I hope nobody don't punch me for this, man. Franchise Larry. I'm going to assign uh, Michael Irvin, and uh, hopefully we can bring Chris Carter, put him on the practice squad. <laughs> but if we can't do it, we'll <laughs> let him go. <laughs> who, 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 who you going with, Mo? Hodge? Uh, I like Michael Irvin franchising because he said he had to yeah. run through the middle. He had to run through the gotcha. middle, feed his family. I got to feed gotcha. his family. Yes, sir. Larry Fitzgerald is like – Amazing yeah. career, like and he's still playing. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And like you said, me and Chris Carter, you know, I had to put the. <laughs> we had a little argument. I'm gonna put the little red thing on top of y'all locker. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> put that flag. What y'all say? Turn in your playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Turn yeah. your playbook. Uh, let me say, let, let me get that playbook, man. Yeah, you feel me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I I can't even disagree with that. I can't even disagree with that. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Taking Tom Brady out the equation, what's another quarterback you would like to play, you would have liked to play with? Yeah, Mo, that's a good one. Um, me first. Let's do a one A and a one B. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say Drew Brees and one A, and I'm gonna say one AA. I'll say um, Aaron Rodgers. You know, mm. those two guys, man, I, I, phenomenal guys, great quarterbacks. Um, and I'm gonna put a one B in there too. Patrick Mahomes. Everybody want to play with the Magic Man. You know, I, I love the I love to play with a guy who loved the freestyle. And one thing I'll say about this gentleman, this young man, he gives the guys the opportunity to make plays. I'm going to throw you the ball because I believe that my guy, it, I, I believe you're better than that DB, mm. regardless. Uh, but but just to hit on Drew Brees, great guy, great teacher. Um, clearly gonna probably retire and, and leave the game of football as the number one quarterback. And it, it is sort of crazy. Like you said, taking Tom Brady out of the equation. Right. You know, he and Tom, they keep going back and forth. But I think in the end, Drew may end up finishing at the top. 
you know, but you always look at it like, oh man, probably why you didn't name Peyton Manning. All these guys are great, man. Right, All right. of them. Right. Um, right. You know, and I love Peyton, but, but if you know, this is just me. I, I, I really love these guys over here. They bring something a little different to the table. You know, they're, you know, for one, they're mobile. You know, Tom Brady isn't mobile, but, you know, I understand the career that I had with Tom. But these other guys, man, they can extend plays. So with that being said, hey, I may not get open the first two and a half seconds on this DB. I do know this here, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Patrick Mahomes. These guys, Drew Brees, will give me maybe an extra second to get open. And what you can't expect, no DB in the NFL to cover a guy three seconds. It's not going to happen. Right. Mm. Last question. You left from New England to go to Seattle. Yeah. Give me two things that you first noticed that were different. Oh, man, I was speaking about this last night on, a, on another Zoom thing with a bunch of the fans in New England. The very – let's just say this. Seattle is a first-class organization. I will say that. I was blessed to be traded to another first-class organization, leaving one. Um, but the first thing that I did notice that – you know how people say hey, the grass is not green on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what I did notice, you know, for one, clear enough, we know the weather and all this stuff. I'm going to get, I'll get to the other part in a second. The first thing is that being a part of this organization, every team is not attentive to the game of football. The, the, uh, the, uh, the, I'm sorry about that. The attention to detail within the confinements of the game. It's totally different. You know, here it is. I'm leaving the Patriots where everything, everything predicates off of knowing your opponents, you know what I'm saying? You're studying the attention to detail. Uh, uh, just, just the game of football, the minor nuances, trying to figure out how can I steal a play or two here and there. You, you get what I'm saying? To over in Seattle, it was more, you know, Clearly, they haven't been in that situation before. So, clearly, they wouldn't understand that. I'm pretty sure the coaches, but the players for sure didn't. I'm sure the coaches had knowledge of it, the attention to detail. But not everybody bought into this one thing. And I, and I truly believe that on paper, when I was in Seattle, on paper, we were a better team on paper than the New England Patriots. But when it when the whistle blew at one o'clock, it was a totally different game. Hmm. You, you get what I'm saying? Right. Everybody had bought in in New England. Everybody really didn't buy in or really understood what they were fighting for, man, on a game-to-game -game basis. You know, situational football was totally different. Understanding what we need to do when there's a minute and 45 seconds left in the game and we need to get a touchdown. We have the ball on our 20-yard line, okay? We got about 10 or so plays that we need to run. We need these to be our best 10 plays. The coach may be calling the plays, but the guys don't understand how they are setting these plays up to lead to maybe the next big play, maybe on the fourth or the fifth play that's being called. Right. These are the things, the situational side of the game that they didn't understand. So I'll say that was one of the biggest difference and, 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 and probably the most – the biggest difference that I really outside of the game of football, like, man, the city of Seattle is beautiful. It's just so far on the other side of the world, man. <laughs> my family, you know, they only had the opportunity to come see one game a year versus my family being able to come, you know, my mom, dad's and sisters 
and brothers getting the opportunity to come up four or five times a game in Boston. You know, over in Seattle, man, that's a long flight. My mom said, baby, I'm not getting on a six-hour flight anymore. I'm done. Yeah. So pick that one game. So that was the biggest <laughs> difference for me, man. You know, you always love your family support, man. So, yeah. yeah. but yeah, that was the thing, baby. Dion Branch, Super Bowl 39 MVP from Albany, Georgia, a.k.a. The Benny. The Benny. The Benny. <laughs> Shout out to my man, Greg Tench and Wiley Brown from The yes. Benny. <laughs> but, man, really appreciate you taking time out of your day, man, to come through and join me and Hodge on the podcast, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, definitely looking forward to linking up with you when I get back in town, man. I'm down in your yes. parts now. I'm down in GA. Uh, coaching what? high school basketball, yeah, down here in Atlanta. Okay, man. and so, yes, sir. Uh, but just, just really appreciate you, man. Taking time out of your day, like I said, I know you got a lot going on, man. But just, you know, just yeah. keep being the wonderful brother that you are, man, and uh, just doing the wonderful things for the youth that you've been doing, man. And you just, you're yes, a beacon sir. of light for everybody, man. Just, just keep letting your light shine yes, for everybody, sir. brother. Yes, sir. Hey, man, Larry, man, you are more. I truly appreciate it, baby, man. Uh, you guys, uh, embolic everything, bro. Continue doing what you guys doing. I truly appreciate yes, you, sir. fellas, man. Thank you for having me on, man. man. Continue you, doing this. Continue pushing, man. Giving the platform for these younger guys. Not only the old guys, such as myself, <laughs> but continue pushing these younger fellas out there as well, bro. Truly a pleasure to have a guy like Dion come through and talk to us on the podcast. A wonderful person, two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, and the things that he does for his community with his foundation is just marvelous man just a all-time great football player and just an even better person and now for our final review of our bourbon selection of the day which was Woodford reserve very fine rare bourbon and to start off our review we always start off our review with nose in the bourbon and this comes off sort of typical of your Woodford reserve it has your vanillas and more so your oak flavors in there also has some sweet uh, caramel flavor in there as well but more so oak and vanilla uh, to the sip, had a good amount of energy, not nothing that's going to blow you, not anything that's going to blow you away, a good amount to let you know that it's present, uh, solid body to it, rolls around pretty consistent on the tongue, has pretty sweet taste to it, uh, more so oak really dominates the flavor, uh, sort of your typical Woofer Reserve flavor that you're going to get anytime you taste it. In transition, had a little bit of uh, heat going with it, not much, just enough to let you know that it's there as well. Uh, but it was nice. It was nice. Um, going down, now getting to the finish, it had some dryness to it, sort of dissipated, but it still had a little bit of that flavor in there. Some spice kicked in a little bit. Uh, the vanilla and caramel kicked in along with the oak as well. But a solid pour, though. Didn't really think that it differentiated a lot from the other Woofer Reserves, um, but still a very nice bottle, a great collection piece because it's a limited commodity and something that people definitely going to seek after. So uh, definitely good to have on your bar uh, if you're able to get your hands on it. But a nice pour, nice pour. And that's our review for today. Make sure you guys continue to tune in. We'll be back with another guest on our next episode. Until then, that'll do it for this episode, and that is The Player's Perspective.